so before I got ordained, I did spend five months as an intern, uh, intern chaplain at Sibley Memorial Hospital. And I got to say, I loved being a chaplain. I loved visiting patients. I loved just sort of meeting them wherever they were. It was wonderful work. And I was a pretty good chaplain. But as it turns out, I was kind of a lousy colleague for my fellow interns. The problem was I was too efficient. I kind of had a routine, so I would usually show up most, I was often working in the evenings, and so I'd arrive at the chaplain's office coming from work. I would kind of rush into the office, I'd put on my chaplain's smock, and then I would immediately sit down at the, at the computer and begin looking for patients that I wanted to visit. And so I'd be looking for people who were either recently admitted or people who had been there for a while and hadn't seen anyone. And so I'd work about 10 minutes, put together a list, and then off I went. Like I said, I was efficient, but in the process, I cut myself off from my fellow interns. When our paths crossed in the chaplain's office, as they often did, I was always friendly, you know, always said hello, made a little small talk, but boom, I was on my way. I rarely did more than exchange pleasantries. I was just too busy trying to see my next patient. Finally, several months into the program, my colleagues called me on it. And they should have. They should have. And I, I just wasn't aware of what I was doing, but when they called me on it, I got it and I changed my ways. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm proud of the work I did as a chaplain. My, my uh, supervisor said if she had five of me, she could run the hospital. You know, that was great, but I'm sorry I missed the opportunity to connect more with my colleagues so that we could learn from each other, so that we could relax together, so, so that we could just enjoy that kind of give and take of emotional sustenance that we all need. So, of course, this month, the Soul Matters theme is generosity. And what I want to talk about is attention as a form of generosity. The idea that one of the greatest gifts that we can give one another is our undivided attention. And this is a generous gift, isn't it? Because it's rare. Sure, we might have family or friends that we, you know, that we love to talk with who make us really kind of feel seen and loved and accepted. But if you're like me, it's easy to go through a lot of social interactions on autopilot. And I'm really talking about myself here. I realized about a year ago that when I'm out and about in the world, I'm very pleasant and easygoing, but I'm not always engaged. And that's the case whether I'm at the grocery store or the gas station or any other place, or actually when I'm doing Zoom calls at work, you know, I'm paying attention, but more I'm observing. And I even zone out at home. I have my cat, Kitty Fish, she, she's a lap cat. She loves to jump on the lap and get pets. And if I'm looking at my phone while she's on my lap, she actually reaches up and swats at it because <laughs> she knows. You know, she knows when she's not getting that undivided attention. And really, like I said, I, I realized this about a year ago and I realized I am missing out on so much. 
Think about the reading that we just heard. The writer described the simplest form of social interaction, going through a, you know, a, a drive through at the bank, something I bet a lot of us have done countless times without even thinking about it. But in this case, the teller turned this brief encounter into a moment of connection. No, they didn't have a meaningful exchange in the sense of what they said, but the teller made it count. She leaned over so they, that she could make eye contact with the writer as she sent him on his way. And the effect was magical. James Cruz writes, it wasn't the words that stayed with me, but what she said with that gesture of leaning so that I could see her over the hood of the truck. What she said with the effort she made to ensure that our eyes met when she wished me a joyful day. I mean it, her attention seemed to say, and I want you to know it. She went the, the extra mile or perhaps a few extra inches to acknowledge me as a human, to make me feel as if my presence was important to her. There's the magic. There's the generosity. She acknowledged him as a human being. She made him feel that his presence was important to her. David Brooks, a columnist for the New York Times, recently published a book called How to Know a Person, which I highly recommend. In this book, he talks about how to connect with others in a meaningful way, how to connect with loved ones, with friends, with co-workers, and so on. He wrote this book because he realized how important the experience of connection is. He says, there's one skill that lies at the heart of any healthy person, family, school, community organization, or society. The ability to see someone else deeply and make them feel seen to accurately know another person, to let them feel valued, heard, and understood. That is at the heart of being a good person. That is the ultimate gift you can give to others and to yourself. Human beings need recognition as much as they need food and water. And Brooks is not exaggerating. Have you ever worked a job or lived in a place where you feel invisible? or where you feel unaccepted, you know, you know the toll it takes on your life. Feeling seen and accepted feeds our souls in a way that nothing else does. And let me be clear, when I use language like see, I'm not talking about a visual experience. I'm talking about how we give our attention to one another in whatever form. We can be visually impaired, or we can feel uncomfortable making eye contact, and yet we can still give someone the gift of our attention. So why are some of us so stingy with our attention? I think the problem is it's easy to be task-oriented. I think about my time at Sibley. As I saw it, my job was to see as many patients as possible, to provide the best care I could to people in need. And yes, that was important, both to, you know, both to me and my patients. I, as I saw it, that was literally my job. The problem was that I didn't realize that my other job was to be present to my colleagues. 
And this was actually considered an important part of the education, an important part of the in internship experience, and for a good reason. To do a good job with patients, we need to be nourished by our colleagues. That's a big part of the chaplaincy. The, the work with patients was emotionally taxing. It was physically taxing. And as I finally realized, I needed that time with my colleagues just like I needed food and water. And I think the same is true for all of us in our daily lives. We need that, that, that nourishment that we can only get from other people. Being task-oriented can only get us so far. And again, there's nothing wrong with being task-oriented. You know, there's good reason for being so. But what if we gave ourselves a new task? What if we saw it as part of our job to help people feel loved and seen and accepted? What if we saw this as part of our calling as you use? Think about it. What's our first principle? Someone, old first principle, I know we're working on the new ones, but what's our first principle? Inherent worth and dignity of every person. And we love our first principle, right? For many of us, this is sort of the heart of our faith. So what if we treated this not just as a principle, but as a task? A task to remind people about their inherent worth and dignity, to make them feel seen and loved and accepted. And what if one way we accomplish this task is by giving people the gift of our attention? The gift of our attention. And you know, again, this doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be so simple. It can be as easy as giving someone a smile. This was a big thing that I realized. You know, I talked about it, it was about a year ago when I kind of really began thinking about this. And I realized one of the simplest things I can do is smile at someone. It can be so powerful. It's a way of just shining a light on someone, a way of acknowledging the joy of connection, however brief. Like I said, think about in being in a grocery store and you know, almost running into someone and then just smiling as a way to acknowledge, whoops, you know, and if that becomes a, a moment of connection. Think about checking out at the grocery store, handing someone the credit card and just smiling. Just smiling or to hold a door open for someone. You know, that's what I do like the gas station. I always look for a chance to hold a door open for someone and I just smile a moment of connection. And this is something I've really become conscious of over this last year, is everywhere we go, we, it's like we always have these moments all throughout the day. Do we connect or do we not? Connection or disconnection, just countless choice, countless choice. We can choose connection we can choose connection. I recently read a uh, book by Ross Gay called Behold. It's actually a book long poem. And when you begin it, it seems to be about uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. J, Julia Serving, the basketball player. Ross Gay is talking about watching this video 
of Dr. J doing this impossible shot back when he, you know, when he was in his prime. But slowly the, the book evolves and it really becomes a book about how we save each other by seeing each other. How we save each other by seeing each other. And so in his book, he plays with three different meanings of the word behold. The first is literal. We, 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 you know, we see someone, we notice someone, behold, we behold them. The second meaning speaks to a different, a deeper engagement. We hold one another with our attention. We hold one another with our attention. Think about that reading again, how the writer felt when the bank teller stood on her tippy toes to look him in the eye. I would say he felt beheld. And then there's the third meaning, to feel a sense of obligation, to feel beholden to, right? To feel beholden to. Roski's point is that we are beholden to each other. We are beholden to each other with our loving, we are beholden to hold each other with our loving attention, to make each other feel seen in love and accepted. He writes, how do we be beholding each other? Sorry, how do we be holding each other? And that's two words, be and holding. So again, how do we be holding each other? How do we be beholden to each other? Which is to say, how do we be? How do we be? I believe that this is part of our calling as Unitarian Universalists to make each other feel beheld. To make each other feel beheld. This is our job wherever we go, wherever we are. This is our job as partners, as parents, as children. This is our job as coworkers and customers. This is our job wherever we encounter other people. Every time we have that choice between connection or disconnection, our task is to pay attention. However brief or routine the encounter, our task is to make the other person feel as if we're saying, lo and behold, look at you. You are loved. I love that phrase, lo and behold. I, I, I thought about that when I was reading Ross Gay's book. He didn't actually use that phrase. And so I ended up looking it up. You know, it's like, okay, what does lo and behold really mean? And as it turns out, the word lo is just a shortened version of the word look. So lo and behold really just means look and behold, which is to say, don't just see don't just notice, but give it your full attention. Lo and behold. This is our calling. This is our calling. And what I want us to do is actually practice it now. Here we have a room full of people. Take a look around. Just take a look around at people around you. I know it's uncomfortable. I'm sorry, I'm a guest minister. I can get away with this. <laughs> but look, take a look around. Think about everyone present here in the sanctuary. 
Just think about them. Give them the gift of your attention. And now here's the really uncomfortable part. On the count of three, I want you to call out, lo and behold. One, two, three. Lo and behold. Oh, that was lovely. One more time. One, two, three. Lo and behold. Lo and behold, you are loved. It is so. Blessed be. Amen.